Okay, so just reading from uh, Luke chapter 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf, and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older brother was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. 
But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Good morning, church, and good morning to all of you who are watching us online. It's uh, always a joy to be here, and uh, let's, uh, let's uh, remember Pastor Marvin in our prayers. Um, he's getting his well, a well-deserved rest, and let's pray that, the, that he's having uh, a time of rest over the next month so that he can be restored and renewed and reinvigorated for uh, the rest of the year that lies ahead. So uh, let's uh, turn things uh, over to God as we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you've brought all of us together. And Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, what an amazing thing that you are the God who speaks. And you speak to each one of us. Lord, that's what we're praying for this morning. We're praying that as we, as we delve into your word, as we, as we consider these words of Holy Scripture, we pray, Lord, not just for a great, greater understanding, Lord, we, what we pray for is that you will speak to us through these words, that we will hear from you, and then we will obey. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. So, one of the best-known and most well-loved stories in all of the Bible is today's scripture reading, usually called the parable of the prodigal son. The dictionary term for prodigal, by the way, is wastefully extravagant. It refers, of course, to the younger son in today's parable, the younger son who squanders his inheritance in reckless living. Now, this story is so well-known, it's so well-loved that I think, and because most of us who've gone to church have heard it many, many times before, it's easy to quickly dismiss it and say, oh yeah, that one, oh yeah, I know that, heard that, heard several sermons on that one. But you know, repetition Repetition can make our minds grow dull. We can think, oh yeah, I've heard that, and automatically assume that we know it all. But friends, I'm here this morning to remind you that God's word is never, ever dull. God's word is full of life. God's word is life-giving, and if 
if God's word ever seems dull to us, you know what we need to do? We need to pray to God to break through our dullness with his joy and his life. And it's his joy and his life that will make us turn cartwheels. If we're going to understand this parable, we have to look at it in its full context. And that's why we're looking at all of Luke chapter 15. This chapter begins with the Pharisees coming to Jesus and grumbling, grumbling about Jesus because he was hanging out with all kinds of disreputable people. Tax collectors, for instance. People who were collaborating with the Romans. People who were well-known crooks. And prostitutes. Here's how the message translation of chapter 15 of Luke begins. It begins this way. By the time, by this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. The Pharisees and the religious scholars were not pleased, not pleased at all. They growled. He takes in sinners and he eats meals with them, treating them like they were old friends. And so Jesus responded to this criticism of the Pharisees by telling them, by telling the Pharisees, Three stories. Three stories in this one parable. Three stories that together are the response of Jesus to his critics, the Pharisees. Well, the first story that Jesus tells is of a man with, who owned 100 sheep. He loses one of them. The sheep runs off somewhere. And so the man goes off searching for that one missing sheep. And when he finally finds it, there's celebration. He calls his friends, he calls his neighbors, he says, let's rejoice. Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, my sheep that was lost. And then Jesus adds, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Well, the next story is about a woman, a woman who has 10 silver coins, but she loses one of them. She loses it somewhere in her house. And so she, she turns her house upside down, looking everywhere, hunting everywhere, getting out of room, sweeping, looking. She needs to find that lost coin. And when she finally finds it, once again, she's ecstatic. She's so happy. She calls her friends and her neighbors. Come, she says, come, let's have a celebration. I found the lost coin. And Jesus says, just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Only after Jesus has finished with these two stories does Jesus move on into the third story about the prodigal son. Jesus tells us about 
a man who had two sons. The younger son said to the father, give me the share of the property that is mine. Now you have to understand something right here or you'll miss it. This, what this younger son was saying to his father was an insult. It was rude. In fact, it was even worse than that. It was hateful. You see, in those days, when a father had two sons, then the younger son, after his death, would receive one-third of the estate, and the elder son would receive two-thirds of the estate. And so the younger son was essentially saying to his father, I want my share. I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead so that I could inherit my share of the, of the estate. I wish, I wish you were dead so that I could just get this money and get out of here. Normally, in the Middle East, if a son ever insulted his father in that way, do you know what would happen? He would take his left hand and he would slap that son in the face. That was outrageous what he had said. But this father, this father shockingly said, okay, okay, you want your, you want your share of the inheritance? Okay, I'll give you your share of the inheritance. So the son took the money, and Jesus said he went away to a far country. The implication here is that this wasn't only far distant, not only far distant from his home, but also that it was far removed from his home. He was no longer going to a place where God was honored. He was going far away from his God-fearing Jewish home. And so, far removed, in a far country, he squandered his inheritance on reckless living. And then a famine came to this country. It couldn't have come at a, a worse possible time it, for that younger son. He had squandered all his money, it was gone, and it was very little food. What was he gonna do? He was hungry, he had to get money somehow, and so he hired himself out. And the only job, the only job that he could get was to feed pigs. That's right, pretty bad. And as a Jew, this was totally humiliating. Because to Jews, pigs were unclean, an abomination to God. Not only was he selfish and reckless, but now this younger son was deliberately sinning against God. In fact, in those days, there was a common Jewish expression, and it said, may a curse come upon the man who cares for pigs. So, time went by. And the more he thought about it, this younger son remembered his home, and remembered that even his father's servants were better off than he was. And so he thought, you know what, what am I doing here? I need to go back. 
And he rehearsed to himself what he was going to say. He rehearsed. He said, I know what I'll say. I'll say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me back and treat me as one of your hired servants. Now, whether just then the younger son truly was sorry, or whether he was prepared to eat a little bit of humble pie, to say, to say these words, he knew he wanted to come back. But whichever, commentators differ on this point. But what cannot be disputed, what cannot be disputed is the incredible and amazing mercy of the father. While his son was still a long way off and he could see him coming in the distance, the father picked up his robes and started running and he was running as fast as he could go to his younger son. And he, when, he, when he got there, he embraced him and he kissed him. This was not what the younger son was expecting. It was pure mercy, pure grace. And in response, the son cried out, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And so, the and so the father called in his servants and he said, bring the best robe, put the best ring on his finger, put new shoes on his feet, and kill the fattened calf so that we can eat and have a party and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he is found. Okay. Do you see what these three stories all have in common? They're all about something that was lost. B.B. Warfield was a a well-known theologian. He was a principal of the theological school at Princeton University about 100 years ago. And in a sermon on Luke 15, he said this. He said, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son have only this one thing in common, that they are lost. And one common lesson for us is that as men and women rejoice in the recovery of something that they have lost, so God rejoices in the recovery of sinners. Because, you see, sinners are the things that are lost to God. Now, the Pharisees who were listening to this parable from Jesus... They could hardly disagree that the, younger, that the younger son was lost. I mean, his behavior was shameful, it was sinful, and they agreed he was lost in every way. But Jesus, you, say, you see, was saying something important to the Pharisees here. He was saying, you know, you think that I'm... You think that I'm bad because I eat with sinners and tax collectors. Well, it's actually far worse than that. I not only eat with them, 
I actually run to them and embrace them and kiss them. But the parable isn't finished yet. Jesus saved the unexpected punchline, the startling twist, if you will, for the end. You see, the father had another son, an older son. Now, the older son was the obedient son. He was no spendthrift. He saved his money. He followed all the rules. He did whatever his father asked him to do. He would never think of insulting his father. He would never, never even enter his mind. He stayed at home and he worked hard for his dad. He was the kind of guy, one writer, as one writer put it, who went to church, kept his nose clean, never was arrested, and was decent to all his neighbors. He was what everyone would call a really good guy. A decent guy. An honest guy. And after a hard day of working for his father in the field, as he was coming, as he was coming back to the homestead, he heard something. Music. He heard music. And he could tell there was dancing in the house. And he said to the servant, what's going on? Why, why, all, this, why all this music? Why all this dancing? And the servant told him, your brother is coming. Your father has killed the fattened calf and because he's received him back and he's received him back safe and sound. And as soon as the elder son heard those words, something snapped in him. Suddenly, he was angry. He was very, very angry. And he refused to go in to the house, to the party. In this moment, we see a whole different side of the elder son, a side that was hidden up till now. When the father came out to speak to the older son, to ask him to come on in and join the celebration, join the, pi the party for your brother, the older son let loose with a torrent of words, words which were filled with anger and bitterness and resentment and even rage. These many years I have served you, he told his father. Some translations put it even more strongly. Some translations of the Bible say, for many years I have slaved for you. That's how he saw it. He had slaved all these years for his father. And what thanks did he get? He had slaved. You see, both, both of the sons were slaves. The younger son was slaving in the pig pen in order to make money so he could eat. And the older son was slaving at home, trying to work in order to gain his father's approval. I never disobeyed one of your commands, he told his father. That wasn't true. 
That wasn't true. At that very moment, he was refusing to go into the party. That wasn't true. But he was sure, you see. He was sure that he was righteous. Self-righteous. That's what he was. But when this son of yours came home, he told his father. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? He called his brother this son of yours. In other words, he had cut off. He had cut off his brother. He was no longer my he is no longer my brother. He is your son. There's a hatred there. He shouted at his father. He wasted your money on prostitutes. As one commentator noted, both sons, you see, loved money. They only differed on what they wanted to do with it and when. The younger son wanted to spend it all. And the older son wanted to save it because saving money gave him a sense of security. And you killed the fatted calf for him. How could you? How could you? Do you hear the resentment there? His father had killed the fatted calf. Why didn't he, the older son who had slaved at home, why didn't he get the fatted calf? The father spoke tenderly to the older son. Son, you're always with me. You're always with me. And all that I have is yours. But did he join the party? Or did he go away angry? Well, you know, we're never told. The Bible doesn't tell us. We don't know for sure. Warfield, in his sermon, said this. He said, and the effect of the parable is to show the Pharisees that contrary to their assumption, the Father, get this, the Father in heaven has no righteous children on earth. And that his grace is needed for all. For all. And most of all, for those who dream that they have no need of it. You see, the Pharisees saw themselves as good people, righteous people. They followed all the rules. They did what was moral. They did what was right. Like the older son, their sin may not have been apparent to outsiders. But in their hearts, there was sin. Sin was there. Not just, not just lurking, but entrenched. And God, you see, judges not what's on the outside. He judges what's in the heart. That's what he judges. Jesus tell, told this parable so that the Pharisees would look into their own hearts and recognize sin that was there. What about us? What about your heart? What about mine?
The Bible tells us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3, verse 23. It also says, for there is no one who is righteous, no, not one. Jesus was telling this parable so that the Pharisees who were there in front of him, who had been criticizing him, would look into their own hearts and repent. Could a Pharisee ever repent? Well, yes. Yes. Guess who wrote those words in Romans? Paul. Paul, who grew up and became a devout Pharisee. As he put it, as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. That's Philippians 3.6. But then he met Jesus. Jesus, the risen Lord. And when the scales fell from his eyes, he saw, as he had never seen before, his own sin. You see, when Jesus draws near to us, his light, his light exposes our darkness. Every time there's ever been a revival, it's always been connected with repentance and confession because the light of Jesus shines not just on the outside but onto our hearts. And so, and so Paul, the Pharisee, the Pharisee who had lived a devout and righteous life. Once he met Jesus and the scales fell off his eyes, he wrote this in 1 Timothy. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom, said Paul, I am the worst. The bottom line of this parable is this. We all are lost, lost to God because of our sin. K.E. Bailey, may not be a name you know, but K.E. Bailey was a biblical scholar, and I want you to think about this for a moment. He was a biblical scholar who spent 55 years, imagine, 55 years of his life doing nothing but studying this one parable. Imagine, 55 years. Writing books, living in the Middle East so that he could understand every detail that was in that parable. And in a sermon that Bailey preached on what else but the prodigal son, Bailey noted that there are two kinds of lostness. There is lostness in the house, and there is lostness in the far country. You see, it can be lost by running away. You know, that, that, that lost sheep, it jumped the fence and went somewhere, and it was lost by running away. And the younger son, who also ran away, you can run away from God to a far country. You can treat with disdain every single thing the Bible says. You can ignore God's commands 
and you can live however you please to live. That's one way to be lost from God. Or you can be lost in the house, like the lost coin, right? Or like the other older son who stayed at home and followed every single rule. You can live a moral lifestyle, never miss church, be on all kinds of church committees, even, yes, even preach sermons each week and still be lost from God. And that's why God came in Jesus, as he put it, to seek and to save those who are lost. Do you see? Every last one of us is lost. In Walker Percy's phrase, we are lost in the cosmos. The Father in heaven has no righteous children on earth, and his grace is needed for all. This parable is about our lostness, and, and it points us to the one who seeks and saves the lost. You see, Jesus himself is in this parable. Jesus is the third son. Wait a minute, you're saying. Wait a minute. There's no third son in this parable, you're telling me? Ah, but there is. As one preacher put it, there's the younger son who leaves home, there's the elder son who stayed at home, and there's the eternal son who is telling the story. But Jesus is not only telling the story, he is in the story. Do you remember how Jesus said, I and the Father are one? Keep that in mind. You know, sometimes we wonder, as we look at Jesus suffering on the cross, we wonder, how could a loving father sacrifice his only son? How could he do this? It seems so rough, so cruel, so horrible. How could a loving father do that? But you see, we need to understand that God the Father and God the Son are one. The Puritans had a great way, had a great way of understanding this. They often speak about the Father and the Son getting together and having a conversation in eternity past. Both the Father and the Son together coming up with a plan to redeem a sinful people coming up with a plan for Jesus to die on the cross. In today's parable, that very same connection between the Father and his eternal Son is unmistakable. There's no doubt that the good shepherd who lost his sheep and the distressed woman who lost her silver coin and, and the father, the deserted father, whose son, younger son went away, each represent God. But remember, Jesus 
didn't tell this parable to vindicate God's welcoming of sinners. He told this parable to the Pharisees to indicate his own welcoming of sinners. In Warfield's words, the underlying assumption is that Jesus' action and God's action are one and the same. The mercy of the Father is shown in the eternal Son, and that mercy flows like a river to all and everyone who is lost. That mercy flows like a river to all who are lost. And the mercy of God in the shape of a man put to death on a cross. As Jesus suffered and cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He took our lostness upon himself so that we might be found. He took his, he took our lostness upon himself so that we could be found. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory. Great things he has done. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you and praise you for your mercy your amazing mercy, which has flown like a river flows out to your children through your son, Jesus, who shed blood saves us. Lord, I pray right now that the blood of Jesus Christ would flow from your heavenly gate and flow upon each one of us, that we might know your forgiveness, that we might know your mercy, that we might know the embrace of your love upon us. Father, we thank you for your amazing grace in your incredible mercy flown, that flows to us through Jesus our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen.